Take your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. <clears throat> I visited this. Uh, this is not the same sermon that I preached on this text. I preached from a little different angle the last time I did it. We're in a war. I've said a lot through the years of preaching. I've, all, I've often recognized and understood that we're in a war. We're in a holy war. Not like the Muslims, <clears throat> but we're in a holy war nevertheless. <clears throat> and if you do not recognize that you're in a war as a born-again believer, you'll be a casualty in that war. But once you get born from above, you, became, you become at odds with the devil, the serpent. You become at odds with him. Before that, you're one of his children. Jesus said in 844, John, you're of your father, the devil. You're, you're a child before you get born from above. <clears throat> I know you may not like to hear that, but it's the truth. And so, once you get born from above, you become an eye, you become a child of God, child of light, child from above. And so the flesh, the devil, and the world become your mortal enemies, and we're in that war, that struggle as a born-again believer. I've had people tell me after they got saved, a year or so after they got saved, that they've told me, my life's been harder since I got saved than before I got saved. Somehow they thought the idea that if they got saved, everything was coming up roses. But getting saved settles the sin question with God. In other words, he forgives all of your sin. He allows you access into the holy, very holy of holies through prayer. Hebrews chapter 4. So he allows you into the very holy of holies. You have access to God. You're no more alienated from God. There's no enmity with God anymore because through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, he cleanses us from all sin. Woohoo! What a day that was. It's the beginning of a new life. A beginning of a life as a child of God in a world controlled by the devil. The Bible says that the devil is the God of this world. This is You say, well, God owns everything. God's the master of everything. Yes, but he's given the devil authority, and he honors what he does. God honors the authority he gave the devil. He gave the devil the authority on this world. When it fell after Adam chose who he was going to be loyal to, the great fall, and you see what's going on. If you listen to any kind of media, news media, I can't even listen to the uh, uh, local news. I can't listen to the world news, local news. I can't listen to any of that. It's just, I, I have enough negative in my life already. You listen to local news, such and such was murdered, so and so, and such and such was going 150 mile an hour on I-75 and went off into a ditch. Five teenagers going 75 mile an hour drowned in a, in a deal down the way. I mean, it's just negative, 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 negative. I mean, I, I, come on, I'm not, I'm not putting my head in the sand, but I mean, how much negative can you stand? I like to go to the Word of God and get some positive. I like to get, I like to get because, hey, the negative will come. You, you'll see it. You'll know. You're not going to be able to ignore it only so much. We're in a holy war. We're fighting individually every day. We're in an army, the army of God. 
Yet the strength of that army is no better than the combined strength of each soldier. You're a soldier of the cross. The Bible portrays each of us as being in a contest in which we are contending to successfully compete and complete a designed course according to the specific instructions he has given us, of course, in the Word of God. Nobody knew this more clearly than the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, where he says, For I think that God hath set forth us, us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and the angels and to men. You say, I'd love to have been an apostle, would you? All of them were martyred except one, that was John. He was, he was exiled to the island of Patmos, his last part of his life. Things were not easy for the apostles. You say, how can I not become a casualty in the Christian life, Brother Bill? I thank you for asking that question. Well, I believe Paul says it as clearly as you can ever put it and print through the Holy Spirit in our text, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought. I want you to notice I put a one by that. I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight, he said. Secondly, he says, I've finished my course. That's number two. Thirdly, he says, I've kept the faith. And because of that is verse eight. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And I'm sure glad the verse doesn't stop there. Because Paul could say, Henceforth is laid up for me, and I'd say, you know, amen. Paul, of all people, deserves a crown of righteousness, amen. But he goes on, he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only. Glory to God. But to all them that love his appearing. I took a message and just did on that statement right there and spent 30 minutes on that. Do you, as a born-again Christian, look forward to the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he's look, God's looking for those who are looking for him. To them that love is appearing. I'm looking forward to the day Jesus comes and puts his, I'm looking forward to the rapture, but I'm looking forward to the second coming of Christ when he puts his feet on the old Mount of Olives. Like I mentioned, it splits north to south. And, uh, and he begins to take his rightful position as king of kings and lord of lords. And for 1,000 years rules on this earth with a rod of iron. And, 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 and the curse on this earth in some ways is, is, uh, is rolled back. And a wolf will lay with a lamb. And a kid will play on a poisonous serpent's den. If somebody dies at 100 years old during that 1,000 years, they're considered extremely young. I don't think we have anybody in this room 100. Because if you're 100 now, you're considered extremely old. But then in the millennium time, people are going to live probably very similar to what it was when Adam and Eve. They're going to live to 800, 900, Methuselah 965 years old, the oldest man that ever lived. They may live that almost entire duration of 1,000 years. Disease is going to be rolled back. God, under the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, this world is going to be a good place to live again. Evil will be constrained. The devil will be locked up for one almost a thousand years, almost. Boy, oh boy. There's a war going on. 
we're part of the soldiers. And we want to we want to finish like Paul finished. We want to be able to understand what he said here. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. First of all, I want to mention in order to win, we must realize that this is a fight. I looked the words up specifically because in this particular case, the Greek really lends some flavor uh, to these words in English. They're translated perfectly fine. I fought a good fight. That's beautiful. But let me lend some flavor because of, of the language used in the Greek. It's, the word fought is agon, agonismal. I believe that's agonismi. Agonismi. I'll get it. Uh, and what do you think it means? It's our word agonize. I've fought. That means to agonize. Uh, it can mean contend with adversity. Endeavor to accomplish something, to fight, to labor fervently, to strive. In other words, what he's saying is the Christian life is not an easy life. Now, it's better than the world's life by, by hands down. The yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ is a lot lighter than the yoke of the devil, the yoke of sin. The yoke of sin at the end promises you all these things in life, and then at the end of life you're disappointed because none of those things were true. That's why you have comedians killing themselves and Hollywood actors that are that have everything this world has to offer, ending their own life because they come to the end of the thing and realize this all is a sham. It's a lie. I, don't, I carry nothing out of this life. I go out of this life the same way I came in it, cold and wet and slobbering. I don't get to keep anything that the devil promised me. He let me play with a few toys for a little while and then at the end takes them away. But what God promises you will come true. The Christian life, though it may be an agonizing uh, in some way, a, 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 a battle, a struggle, yet in the end of it, it's, it just keeps getting better and better. I fought a good fight. The word fight means a, a, con, a contention, a challenge. What, what do you think would happen if you put a pair of boxing gloves on and went in and without proper training or any coaching, and you had a, you, they put a pair of boxing gloves on you and put you in the ring against a professional boxer? How do you think that'd come out? I, I know one thing, it'd be short. It'd be first-round KO. I mean, put you in the ring when, when George Foreman was at his height, and you never had a boxing lesson. You put you a set of gloves on and say, go in there. That's what it's like for a born-again Christian to go up against the devil without help. There are no contests. There are no contests. It shows how crazy it is for a person to get saved and simply float along, sing a song, go to church an hour a week, don't read their Bible, don't pray much, and think they're going to make it in the Christian experience. You are not going to do well. You're going to get knocked out by the evil one. So the first step, Paul says, I've fought a good fight. Realize you're in a contest, and it's going to be an agonizing contest. So, Hey, it's not easy. It's not easy to do the will of God. Many times the will of God is hard on us, and, 
and you struggle with it. God wants you to read the Bible. Now, you know, I'm going to tell you something. For a man, this is a challenge. Read 1,189 chapters, I think there are, in the Bible. It takes 72 hours to read this book through at an average pace. 72 hours of your time. Now, I tell you, you say, well, that's a long time, brother. But when you get to heaven, what kind of, what, how do you think you're going to look before all those saints of God when you say, I didn't have time to read my Bible? How do you think that's going to go for you? Did you memorize any of the scripture? How do you think it's going to go for you when you go to heaven and you didn't memorize hardly any scripture? No wonder you struggle. No wonder you become a victim instead of a victor. We're in a holy war. We're to fight the good fight of faith. Think of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. He mentions there uh, some of the seed went to stony places. That's kind of what I'm describing this morning for somebody who doesn't know this is a war and not getting prepared for it. It's saying they hear the word and with joy receive it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but he endured for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, by and by, he is offended. That's what happens to people who don't take it serious about being a Christian. They float along and thinking, I'm just a wonder, but pretty soon. They get whacked, and pretty soon the devil continues to, to, to do the. It's, it's the same thing with Ron Hamilton, the song that brother sang this morning. How would you feel if God took your eye? Well, Ron says, well, this is part of God purifying me. This is part of God doing something for me. And he wrote a song that's gone around the world. That song has gone around the world, been translated in all kinds of languages, if he had done nothing else in life but that one song, God would have done a mighty work through him, and it would have been worth losing an eye. Even though it is in some degree agonizing, it's only be able to see out of one eye. The parable of the sower says, tribulation, persecution arises because of the word, and by and by they get offended. I like the song, it says, Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? while others fought to win the prize and sailed through stormy seas? Sure, I must fight if I would win. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by that word. God will do it. So what makes all this worthwhile, what Paul's talking about here? I fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept my faith. What makes that worthwhile? Verse 8, what's coming for the born-again believer? Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Oh, man, if I could only get a hold of some of you and shake you. My grandmother, when she didn't like what you were doing, she was a little small woman. She was a little, she was a, kind of a squaw, to be honest with you. I think she was a little Indian squaw. She was a little short woman. And uh, if she if she wanted to get your attention, wasn't happy with you, she'd grab you and shake you. Sometimes I want to get a hold of people and just shake them. They're 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 like the Titanic headed for that iceberg. Thinking they're unsinkable, 
There's no benefit that is not worth that is worth anything without some agonizing sacrifice. You want to have knowledge, you're going to have to agonize. You want to know the Bible, you're going to have to agonize. You want to memorize scripture, you're going to have to agonize. You want to live a victorious Christian life, there's going to be some agonizing going with it. You're going to have to struggle some with your flesh, with the world, and with the devil, and with those around you. Because you can do it by the grace of God, because you and the Holy Spirit make a majority. You can do it. You can beat it. Second thing I see see there, he says, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I looked up some words on that. He's discharged a debt. He has paid his dues. I've finished my course. I've paid my dues. The idea of paying your dues is interesting to me. He says in Romans 1.14, I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. He said, I paid my dues to the barbarians and to the Greeks and to the wise and the unwise. What Paul was saying is, when I got born from above, I incurred a debt to tell everybody I know that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. What kind of person would you be if you came up with a cure to cancer and never told anybody else? What kind of what kind of uh, what kind of animal? What kind of monster would you be considered if you had a cure for something horrible like cancer, but wouldn't tell anybody else? Well, we have the cure for sin. We have the cure for condemnation at the end of life without salvation. Oh, we should be sharing it. Evangelism should be at the tip of the of the spear of every local church that loves the Lord Jesus Christ and every individual. We should be out. It should be a natural thing. I want to share it because I don't want to see people around me go to hell. I finished my course. Paul says I've I fought a fight. I've agonized in a contest, and I, I've 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 discharged or paid the debt that I had to those around me to tell them. He he paid his dues. Yeah, this idea of moral responsibility that we have for the rest of the people around us is called evangelism in the Bible. Go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Sometimes Christians remind me of people who moved down here from up north. Sometimes they remind me of people who come down here from up north. They they buy a house. uh, They settle in. And then they put a bumper sticker on their car. Yankee, go home. It's basically, they got theirs, but they don't want anybody else to have it. I never complain about people moving down here. I never complain. I say never is big, okay. I think my wife's in the room, and I got to be careful. Never as big. Almost never. Complain about people moving down here and the traffic and all this other stuff because I moved here. They let me come. And and what kind of person would I be to not want anybody else to come? I hope nobody's in the parking lot got a sticker, Yankee go home. Christian life is not like taking final exams in college, you college people. I, I know. 
I know what you do for finals. Unless you're a real brainiac. For final day comes and finals are coming up. And on, on let's say, finals down to be on Friday. You, on Thursday night, you get you a big old pot of espresso coffee. And uh, you, you, you cram. You go over that, it's cumulative test for the whole semester. You go over all that material and you cram and you cram. You stay up all night long. I know I did this many times. Stayed up all night Thursday till the week, till five, six in the morning. And then I would dress for, for school, go in there and take my test. A week later, how much you know about that? What they ought to do is after you do that, then give you a surprise, the same test, a surprise test a week later would not let you study a bit and see how you do. It's not what grades you get in school. It's what did you learn? It's really what you did. What have I learned about this course? What have I retained about this course? Christian life's about not cramming and then forgetting about it, which is what happens when you cram most of the time. You cram and then forget about it. I tried to study in, in a school, though I did cram. I tried to study in such a way where I was remembering it and we're going over it all semester long to where when I came to the test, it, it, was, it wasn't a, a threat. It was something I was working on for that. That's what a Christian life's about. You should be memorizing scriptures on a regular basis, putting them in your mind, reading the Bible on a regular basis, coming to church, fellowship with other Christians, uh, uh, practicing the word, word of God, uh, sharing your faith. Uh, that, that's not cramming, because that, Christian life's not a cram. It's not going to work cramming. You, you, go to, you go to church one hour a week, leave, think you got something from God, that's all you need. You're in bad trouble, man. You're a victim looking for a place to happen. He said, I fought a good fight. He said, I finished my course. I paid my dues. And I like this. I've kept the faith. The word kept means to guard. It means to keep an eye on. It means to hold fast, to keep, to preserve, to watch. All those, all those are part of the definition, connotative definition of this word keep or kept. To guard the faith. The faith. What is the faith? It's the whole of truth, of God's word given to us. You know when you get saved, you're given, I don't know if any of you ever ran track, but in track I ran the uh, mile, a relay, which every, each one of us, four runners, ran 440. Then we handed off what they call a baton, a, a stick. We handed it off to the next guy, and then the next guy handed it off to the next guy, and the next guy handed it off. And you just watched it on Olympics and various places. That's what happens. We old people, you get saved, and we old people hand you the baton. We say, this is yours now. You've got a responsibility to pass this on to other folks. And we, we've been passing this on for years. We continue to pass it on. Our brother Tom's been driving the bus for 25, 35 years. I forgot how many years he's been driving. And eventually Tom is going to have to pass the keys to the bus to somebody else. It's not too far down the road. He's going to have to pass the keys to somebody else. But there needs to be somebody else like Tom Gillespie that he can pass the keys on to. Brother Nick's a lot younger, but but Nick Nick's been doing it for a long time also. But someday there needs to be another Nick 
carbon to be raised up by God that says, I'll take the keys to your bus, Nick, and I'll do your neighborhood, and I'll make that my parish, and I'll go out there and see if I can get boys and girls to come to church and hear the gospel, and they need to pass it on. That's what we do as born-again Christians. It's one to the other to the other, and here we are almost 2,000 years away from the cross, and that baton, that responsibility, that faith, that faith, has been passed on, been guarded, been kept, been preserved, and been passed on. Been guarded, been kept, and preserved, and been passed on. Been guarded, been kept, and preserved, and passed on. Because the devil wants to corrupt this. Why are there so many Bibles? It's not so you can understand it better. It's so that you can't nail any specifics down. I could give you 25 versions of the Bible up here on the same verse, and you'd wonder if it all meant the same thing and what in the world's going on. The versions have confused the issue, not made it plainer. I've kept the faith. I like what Paul said in Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Acts 16, 5, and so were the churches established in the faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, watch, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. I, he says, have kept the faith. What I believe as an old man, I believed as a young man. I've kept the faith. You can't forget about the faith. That's the doctrine of Scripture. You can't violate the faith for convenience. You can't violate the faith for a crowd. You can't violate the faith on some fad that comes through Christianity. We're responsible to be very careful to keep the faith once delivered. To the saints. That's why fundamentalists, as we are here at the gospel, are oftentimes considered separatists. Because if somebody changes the faith, or tweaks the faith, or moves the faith a little bit, we move away from them. That's why we're considered separatists. I had one time going door to door, an Episcopalian preacher uh, answered the door, and he says, uh, I said, I'm Bill Lytell, Gospel Baptist Church. He said, hey, yeah, I know about you. He said, uh, I'm, I'm uh, an officer in the local minister association, and we noticed that you, you, uh, you Baptists, you, you independent Baptists, won't be part of our, our association, our ministerial association. He said, why would that be? I said, the, the reason that we won't be part of your ministerial association is not because we're hateful, but it's because you don't believe the Word of God cover to cover. Your definition of salvation is not even right. He looked at me. I said, well, let's talk about it. We began to talk about it. And it was not very long that we talked, and we realized that he, he didn't believe in the literal Word of God. The only part of the Bible that he thought even possibly could be genuine and trustworthy was the, maybe the Beatitudes was the one area and some of the Pentateuch. All the rest of it had question marks around it. I'm telling you, you can't live the Christian life with that. 
That's why we stay separate from those people. Because the Bible, first of all, the Bible tells us to stay separate from them. And so we, because we're, we're, we're into the specificity of this book, if the Bible says to stay away from those who are unruly, or the Bible says to stay away from those who cause division, we just do it. We don't have to have a big, long explanation from God why we should do it. We just do it because God said to do it. We have just simple, childlike faith in the, what God says. And if he, says to quit, if he said to quit drinking Mountain Dew, I'd quit drinking Mountain Dew, and I have. Now, he doesn't say that. If you drink Mountain Dew, God bless you. But uh, if God says something, man, that just settles it. I, I, if you're if you're there wanting to argue with God and wanting to push the push push the limits, and you're constantly wanting to push it, then you're going to end up outside looking in. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Paul says, "I've kept the faith. I've guarded the faith." And consequently, woo, henceforth, he says, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I'm not sure he fully understood what that meant. It was given to him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure I understand what that means. In fact, I know I don't know the full understanding of what that means. But I can tell you when God says something, it's going to be good. I think as a born-again Christian this morning, we need to wake up, shake up, and take up the things of God. Fought a good, fight a good fight. Finish your course. Keep the faith. And you won't keep it, and you won't do what Paul said he did there unless you determine right now or have determined in the past to keep it. He said, I'm going to diligently keep my faith. I'm going to diligently Fight a good fight. I'm going to diligently finish my course. And if you decide to do that as a born-again believer, you're not going to be in and out around the edges. You're not going to be haphazard. You're going to be there. You're going to be, you're going to be, uh, be able to be accounted to. You're going to be able to be relied upon. You are going to be able to be a pillar in the local church to reach people and obey the Bible before it's too late. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And by the grace of God, and it won't be long. You say, man, life's long. I'm a long way from the end. All you old people in this room will say, amen, when I say this, it seems it just seems like you turn around and you're old. I, was, I got married at eight, 19 years old. My wife was 18. We had a baby. Troy's here. He's 51 years old. Troy's 52. Are you 52 already? Amazing. Troy's already had three kids. All three kids are out of the house. I don't know what he said. Maybe it's best I don't. All three kids are out of the house. And he's, he's coming down. He can, see the, he can see the finish line. It's like, yet it was slow when you were going through it. It seemed slow as you were going through it, but you look around, Tom, can you believe you're 76 years old? You're 75? 76, I got you. 76 years old. Jama, 52. 
you got your 19-year-old granddaughter sitting beside you. Wow. How did it happen? That's the way the Christian life's going to be. You're going to live for Jesus just one day at a time, sweet Jesus, just one day at a time. And pretty soon you're going to be at the end, like Paul was, and you're going to be saying, hey, henceforth, I've just given everything I have by the grace of God, and now he's going to look for that crown of righteousness, which he's prepared for them that love him and do all that love is appearing. Father, help us this morning to be able to digest this. Uh, without thy blessed Holy Spirit, without the unction of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, we cannot grasp eternal, invisible things. We need to be able to understand these things. We need them so badly in this world that we live in. The intensity of this thing seems to be building. And and the young believers in this room uh, will face things that we old believers have never faced. But they can and will come through victorious if they heed the word of God. Help them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.